You've created your business and now it's time to protect it. Whether it's your podcast, speaking engagements that you do virtually or live on in-person stages or the community that you've built, you want to make sure that what you've created is taken care of and well protected. This is where AWB contract templates come in. They're customizable, quick and easy to complete and cost a fraction of working with a lawyer one-on-one. They have tons of options available so you can choose the ideal one for your business needs. It's an instant download. You get a Word doc template, you fill in the blanks and in about 20 minutes, you're all done. Visit pauseontheplay.com forward slash contracts today to pick out your new business contracts. And when you check out, be sure to use the code play for 20% off your contract purchase. That's P-L-A-Y in all caps for 20% off. Protect your business with AWB contract templates. Committing to use your voice, committing to be visible, regardless of who says no or, you know, what organizations might say no or how things may look. I think just the stubbornness to be visible and continue to use your voice in a really intentional way is the momentum that is starting to help shift things and is helping to challenge more people, more organizations to really reconsider how they've been doing things. Hello, hello, and welcome back to Pause on the Play. As always, it's amazing to have you here where you are challenged to reconsider your normal and consider realities you may be unfamiliar with in order to understand that they too are real. I am your host and conversation MC for the day, Erica Corday, here to get the dialogue going. We are going to start off this podcast by acknowledging that we are recording on the stolen and unceded land of the Susquehannock and Piscataway people native to this area known as Maryland. Hey, y'all. Hey. (laughs) So I am, I am really excited that we've been doing this for y'all for a long time. And I just want to say thank you. I know that we don't very often do a lot of focusing around like, oh, we're at this number episodes or any of that type of thing. However, I do want to make sure that gratitude is is given and you know that you know we couldn't do this if it wasn't for you and just grateful for you thank you all right so i want to get into this episode and i want to acknowledge that i think the word that my guest shared that she hopes is felt by anyone that is taking in this conversation is encouraged and it felt it felt apt. It's like, okay, that, yes, that. Because as we dig into the fact that, you know, there are some things that make the speaking industry, um, whether that's speaking on stages, however it is that you are able to utilize your voice, your genius, and your context and perspective to get paid for what you do and to share it and to be a, a thought leader in a beneficial and and impactful way that is equitable. Like it's not the same for everyone in this industry and there's equity 
that needs to happen. There's accountability that needs to happen. There's parts that all of us are playing in it and just digging into the dynamics and how it is that, again, people of color can be able to be more visible and be paid well for what they do. We're, we're digging into that. And it made for a really great conversation. So I'm excited for you to take it in. And I was joined in this conversation by Danielle Tucker. Danielle is the founder of Expansive Thought Leadership Coaching, as well as ProfessionalSpeakerWebsites.com, a marketing agency dedicated to strategically designing luxury brands and websites for thought-leading entrepreneurs and speakers to strategically grow their thought leadership, raise their speaking fees, and get booked and paid to speak. Hello. (laughs) That. As the strategist of choice for experts featured in ABC, Fox, Entrepreneur, and Speakers Magazine, to name a few, Danielle's simple and refreshing approach to growing your thought leadership will empower you to intentionally broadcast your brilliance and get booked and paid to speak. I want all of you that have something that you want to share to know that you can broadcast your brilliance. So yeah, all of that. Now, the amazing part about this is that Danielle is in the community with us and I have so loved the fact that she's in the room and she is just a voracious learner. And I've absolutely loved witnessing it. She's like, well, I want to talk about this and I want to do this. And where is this content? And like Danielle has been digging in and I love it because someone that is supporting you to broadcast your brilliance, wanting to make sure that they have the knowledge that they need to support you, to, to bring your genius out even more than, than you thought maybe was even possible. Like just all of these things that can be done when we're working in tandem and all of us are intentionally invested. I love it so much. And so if you want to come in the room and be in conversation with Danielle and all of our amazing members and take in this content for yourself so that you can support the people that you are in relationship with and that you're working with, you can be a part. You can come on over today to pauseontheplay.com forward slash community, learn more, and join us in the room. So without further ado, let's do this. Hello, hello, Danielle. Welcome to the show. I have so been excited to just like keep talking to you lately. I'm like, this is what I'm here for. Let's do this. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, me too. I feel like there's always like new revelation or a new something going on when we're talking. It's just so much fun. That part. And that's what for me is the best part of any conversation. It's like, oh, that, that right there, there's a whole nother layer. I like that part. And then we can talk more about that. I love conversations that just kind of take on their own life cycle. And we've had that happen a lot, which is where I was like, oh yeah, we need to, we need to bring this, we need to bring this to the podcast. Let's do this. Yes. Yes. I'm so excited for our conversation. (laughs) So I actually kind of just want to jump in and I want to, I'm going to ask what probably feels like a big question. Um, And you don't know it's coming, but it's not going to be over the top, but it is a big question. Um, And it's, do you believe that equity is possible in the speaking industry for people of color? Mm. You did warn me. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> you warned me. This is a big question. <laughs> this this is good. I'm glad we're starting with this because this is something that I think about often. And I do believe that it's possible. I think mm-hmm. the work that needs to be done to make it possible is very deep. And I think it requires a lot of um, accountability, a lot of responsibility on a number of different sides. And we'll dive into this as we're talking about everything today. But I do believe it's possible. I think there is a lot of change that still needs to happen Mm -hmm. from behind the scenes of what I've seen within the speaking industry with the people that I've worked with and also with um, event organizers that I've worked with. I have seen more people taking it more seriously, taking steps to make sure that there is more equity within the industry. And Mm -hmm. I also feel like there's still a good deal of work to do in order to really get to a place to where there's, you know, a healthier balance of really seeing equity within the industry as a whole. So I think that the reality is, is that anytime we talk about any type of systemic change um, for for anyone that either belongs to an identity that isn't regularly served adequately, or you are someone that is a part of being an ally to these groups to work on that disparity. Um, I think we understand that it's a big, it's a big concept. It's a big undertaking and that there's a lot of layers to it. And there's really no, one specific answer of, oh, it has to be this, 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 and this. Mm -hmm. However, even with that being said, when we talk about accountability for that equity, like what is it that people would need to be held accountable for? What is that equity? What are just some of the things that come to you off the top of your head that aren't currently equitable? Yeah, this is a great question. And I think to best answer this, uh, I think it would make the most sense if I can just share a little bit of what I've seen and Mm -hmm. what has kind of like triggered me into like diving onto this path of really understanding what does the speaking industry look like for people of color. And uh, so just a little bit of context of like how this journey all started. Uh, A lot of the work that I do Um, is with uh, supporting speakers with uh, starting off with my agency professional speaker websites, which is really focusing on uh, designing luxury brands and websites for speakers who are wanting to elevate their brand and be uh, in order to get booked and paid to speak. And so in the midst of doing this work, of course, it's very visual. There's a lot of like visual components going on with this. I I began to hear a lot of uh, the speakers that I worked with saying, oh my gosh, like I'm, I've been looking for you. I'm so happy to work with you because I wanted to work with someone who looked like me, who understood how the speaking industry would work for people of color. And so I was, of course, like a flattered and I started to get really curious and ask questions like, is the journey really that different? Uh, because mm-hmm. I think it's one thing to have a belief system about something and to kind of assume, but it's another thing to do the research, really dig and really find where are the differences so that, you know, to your question, we can hold people accountable accordingly. So Mm -hmm. 
what I began to see uh, after asking questions and seeing, okay, like, is there even a difference? What, like, what is, what is happening here? And uh, specifically speaking about people of color and what I was seeing in the industry, whenever I would see like white speakers um, within the industry who appeared to be doing really well from a visual perspective, um, you know, because the speaking industry is actually very visual, even though it is about using your voice. But what I found is that a lot of the white speakers that I saw had unpolished brands, unoptimized websites, yet their portfolio was like loaded with tons of company logos and places that they've spoken and audiences that they've spoken to. And at the same time, I saw uh, black speakers who were completely qualified. They had done the work, built influence within their local communities, and they were somehow not getting uh, the same opportunities uh, available to them when they were overly qualified. Mm -hmm. And so uh, with just this research uh, alone that I discovered, and back to your point about like, how do we even hold people accountable? I really started to consider, you know, where does the responsibility lie? And what I've boiled it down to is I really feel like it's, it, it's responsibility and accountability, I would say boils down to those who are like the event organizers, those who are hosting events, those who are vetting speakers, those who mm -hmm. have the opportunity and the responsibility to make sure that they are creating an equitable space for people. And then mm -hmm. also, I, I, I believe that responsibility also lies on the speaker as well of stepping into their authority as that thought leading expert of positioning themselves as professional, you know, doing the work to be visible and just to really not just shy away and expect for, you know, just opportunities to be thrown out there, um, but really uh, continue to do the work to position yourself and show why you uh, ha should have a seat at the table. And not even that, but creating more spaces to empower other people to have those opportunities as well. So uh, that's what I would say in terms of accountability. I think it's 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 not a one person this or that type of approach. It's I think responsibility mm -hmm. is is um, should be divided amongst everyone. But I think the way in which responsibility and accountability, excuse me, should um, be perceived could look different for everyone. So part of what I'm hearing is is that it is on these organizers and these creators to not assume that whatever comes from the initial, you know, first three entries on a Google page search is who you automatically go to because there are some people who just the algorithm itself or just because of the way that certain people's networks are already set up or the people that they've already been connected to is going to kind of put them in front of people. And it's going to shift the amount of visibility that they have, that they do have that responsibility to dig deeper and not assume that they need to keep recycling the same people over and over and over, or that those are simply the most qualified people and not do their own research and due diligence to, exactly. to choose, um, to, to have more options and to make sure that there is equity of not, I'm going to just create a monopoly and there's the same people. And on the mm -hmm. other side, I think there's a certain amount of deprogramming and owning your own genius that has to happen for us. And that one, it's safe to be visible too. Um, I deserve to be, and I deserve to be pay paid for that visibility. And two, 
almost act as if maybe in a way, because Mm -hmm. I do think that there are times to where um, there, I mean, there are some people that have done all those things. And again, if you don't have the creators or the promoters of these events, not willing to um, get outside of their bubble with who they keep paying, then you've done your part. But then there are some of us to where it's like, you have to, you have to own how much you have to bring mm-hmm. and you have to really move into that energy and to put that out there as much as you possibly can. Because I do think with any business product type of relationship, there's the business that needs the product and the product that needs to sell their item to a business and both have to be functioning to an extent for it to work. And All of these things, I think, are also nuanced in that they are working within a system that was designed to not prioritize people of color. Mm -hmm. So there's there's that place of, you know, how it is that you are able to be a part of an industry that doesn't regularly center you and trying to shift that, but also acknowledging that you are doing your part to have a counterbalance to a system that Mm -hmm. is in essence working exactly the way it was designed to work. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, you pretty much said it exactly. And, you know, being a speaker of color within the industry, like it can feel very weighty. It can feel mm-hmm. uh, it can feel scary. I mean, there's a lot of emotional things to overcome. There's a lot of mindset things to overcome. But I think uh, what from what I've seen from those that I've worked with, and also for myself, what has differentiated those who have been successful? And by success, I mean like they've booked opportunities, they've booked highly paid opportunities. Uh, like those who have compared to those who may not have seen the results that they've wanted to see is really just building this muscle of uh, resilience and just committing to use your voice, committing to be visible regardless of who says no or, you know, what says no or excuse me, like what organizations might might say no or how things may look. I think just the the stubbornness to be visible and continue to use your voice in a really intentional way is the momentum that is starting to help shift things and is helping to, you know, challenge more people, more organizations to really reconsider how they've been doing things. And so it's, yeah, it's, it's really amazing. There's still a lot of work to do. And I also find it I always find it very intriguing when I do come across speakers who have that grit and are like, you know what, let's go ahead and shake things up here, you know? So it's good. Mm, Okay. And so when you find someone that has that grit and you say, let's, let's shake this up, tell us, like, I want to know what that means. I want to hear like, what does it mean when you're like, Hmm, I already can kind of envision what's possible here. Let's go there. Let's do that thing. So what I would say shaking things up. A lot of what this looks like from what I would say is starting off committing to create your own stage. Uh, For people of color uh, in the speaking industry, because of how the industry has kind of 
been created and how things have like systemically kind of just like happened. Uh, the gift or the beauty on the other side of it is that on the other side is that we can be very creative about how we get our message out there. And so a lot of times what this looks like is hosting your own events or uh, starting your own podcast or going live on social media, uh, really putting yourself out there in a way to build your own thought leadership, to give people a reason to listen, to show them like, hey, like this is someone who has something to say who deserves to be seen and heard and lavishly celebrated, let me pause, let me stop a moment and give them my attention and see what this is all about. So I would say shaking things up is really about having this unwavering commitment to be visible and to make those opportunities, even in the midst of uh, a situation that may not have been crafted to be favorable, but still committing to put your genius out there in order to create a different narrative. So do you think that the shifting of the narrative is something that we can actually take more ownership of? And I say that because sometimes that's not always an easy thing to do. Um, and the the narrative is what sometimes can be a part of the limiting prospects or the limited access, whether it's real or perceived. And I think that, you know, that word narrative feels like such a strong Mm -hmm. word with a lot of possibilities in it. Yes. I think within, as with anything, I think taking ownership in that way is only one part of the equation. I think also, uh, you know, different allies within the industry also carry weight when it comes to shifting the narrative too, because we can only go so far on our own, you know, like we have to have people that we can link arms with and, you know, move forward with together in order to really make change on a much larger scale. And so I think as, let's say, as a single individual, like someone who is is wanting to build their thought leadership and to book more highly paid speaking opportunities, like doing the work uh, on your own with being more visible, doing live broadcasts, uh, pitching to be on podcasts, like using your voice in that way is one part of the equation. And then I also think for those who who may be allies who are like, yeah, like I want to see this change too, you know, really uh, taking some steps in order to, uh, on their part, in order to make sure that these voices are heard, that these people are being featured, that their messages and their stories are being shared in order to really help to create even more momentum within the speaking industry. You went right where I was hoping you would go, that part, Mm -hmm. because I think (laughs) that there is that place of us having to own what we can do, but none of, none of us do anything on our own. And that has nothing to do with the fact that we're not able to do it. It's about the fact that these are collaborative efforts. And Mm -hmm. I think that it is very important for people that do have a position of authority or influence to be able to utilize their platforms and their privileges to be able to bring attention to people that may not have that same level of access, to be able to bring um more attention to where there's a deficit and be a part of shifting that. And a large part of this that I find um, 
kind of gets left behind in a lot of areas. And I think uh, speaking is a big one is that whenever people are seeking to fill a space with a speaker, there's this lie that, oh, I, I didn't know anyone to fill it. Or mm-hmm. there isn't anyone that doesn't already look like who I've already used that was good enough or available. Like, insert lie Like, here. I couldn't find anybody. Correct. And it's like, mm-hmm. no, you weren't building relationships. And so, therefore, you didn't know and you weren't concerned to shift that at all. You didn't want to try to do anything different. And so, I think so much of the relationship building gets left behind. And so, I would love to hear your take on the necessity for relationship building to be a part of creating more equitable practices within the industry as well. So relationship building is definitely important. Um, I have some really interesting statistics that I think everyone listening would be very interested to hear. Uh, But a recent uh, study that uh, I've been looking into it was done by SpeakerFlow, and they researched like what are the top lead sources for speakers whenever it comes to getting booked for paid speaking opportunities. Mm-hmm. And the number one answer with 83% came through referrals, mm-hmm. which is very interesting. So past client recommendations at 83% were what, uh, what led to speakers gaining more business. And so whenever it comes to relationship building and really leveraging relationships in order to book more of those opportunities, I think uh, the first really ties into like, who do you want to be in a relationship with? I think, and taking that even further, I think that that can open a can of worms for like the values conversation, which I know Mm -hmm. is um, something that is so important. And I'm always uh, learning something new from you, Erica, in regards to values, but um, really considering like how you want the relationship to look, who you want to be in relationship with and uh, making it a very intentional strategy to have more conversations with people in this way. Um, In this report, in this survey, it also showed that one of the top ways that people were booking opportunities was through podcasts. So podcasting Mm -hmm. is like a really great way for for any speaker to get their message out there, but also leverage a podcast conversation as a relationship building tool. So Mm -hmm. what I would say for any uh, speakers of color who are looking to build more of those relationships Uh, intentionally in order to book more speaking opportunities would be, you know, look and see like what type of relationships you want to build and even maybe consider podcasting conversations with uh, audiences that need to hear your message and need to hear your voice and can possibly give that like cross pollination into uh, audiences that may not be as Uh, accustomed to hearing voices from people of color. So that's what I would say uh, in regards to the relationship building part of it. Yeah. The interesting thing about it is, is you said kind of what I expected, which is the the referrals part. And I think this Mm -hmm. is how it can be so easy for things to stay almost in an echo chamber type of state because people just keep going with the people that they already know. 
And so there Mm -hmm. has to be this intentionality to get out of these bubbles and to be in conversation with other people, but to all, again, not just assume that whoever is the most visible is automatically the best choice. So exactly, I want to go back to the word visibility mm-hmm. because I think that there are definitely times where for people of color, visibility doesn't always feel safe. Mm-hmm. So there are some shifts that I think um, all of us have had to maybe make it what, what it is for you individually is not going to be the same as someone else, but visibility isn't the same level of, of comfort for everyone. And it also doesn't show up or work in the same way for everyone, but being visible isn't, is a necessity. And like you said, yes, you're using your voice, but it is a very visual medium. And so do you have any thoughts around the way that we can be more visible in a way that does feel in alignment with our values and does work for us and yet can still position us to be highly paid speakers? This is a great question because I think the process of being visible can look different for everyone. Mm -hmm. There are different ways to be paid within the speaking industry. And there's different ways to leverage speaking in order to grow your thought leadership, for one, and also to grow your business. And so I think in terms of visibility, it really depends on on each individual, like what you feel most comfortable with. And also like, what are your main goals for how you're using speaking in -hmm. order to, you know, accomplish whatever end result you're wanting to accomplish, whether that's like, using it as a lead generation strategy, using it as like a main service or offering. Like if you do, uh, like if you're a consultant and maybe you're speaking to a team or an organization, or even if you uh, have workshops or trainings or or things like that. So uh, that's the first thing I would say is like really considering uh, like how you want to leverage speaking in the overall part of your strategy. Um, And Mm -hmm. then Also, taking that a step further, when it comes to visibility, there's a lot of different things to consider. You can uh, definitely use your voice in ways um, to where like if you, let's say if you're a speaker who you're building up that courage and that confidence to be seen in in a really intentional way, like visually, like Mm -hmm. podcasting is a really great solution. You don't always have to do have like your video on or anything like that. But I think also in terms of being visible, uh, I think having a reframe around what visibility means and what that looks like could be a really healthy thing to do as well because uh, visibility to me doesn't necessarily mean that you're every place all the time exerting your energy in that one location (laughs) at all possible Mm -hmm. time. And so, but online it can it can appear that way because we have you know with systems and you know the way that social media is portrayed on you know online and the way that you see things you you it's it's really easy to create perceptions um, about people and about maybe how things may be happening on behind the scenes uh, that really may not be true but from a context of visibility um, you know you can be visible through 
sharing your perspective, like sharing a written perspective, speaking up on like a thread or something that you are a qualified expert to share an insight on and really encouraging people to think and ask questions, like just being um, visible in that way by making a, a touch point in that way. Or um, let's say if, we, if we're thinking about visibility, uh, like having a really solid brand photo shoot where you can have brand photos that you can use in a consistent basis through, uh, you know, online or, uh, you know, with, if you are featured to do a broadcast or anything like that, you can have some visuals that, are, that can be consistently used over time in order to create a cohesive brand presence to where you're not, you know, you're not having to exert any additional energy to, to every time you have to use a a photo, like you take the photo shoot once and you reuse the content. So, um, I think in terms of like a strategy perspective, like there's a number of different ways to be visible in a way that feels really good. And I also think that being visible looks different for everyone because, uh, some people love being, you know, on camera all the time, like using their voice all the time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I think there's a number of different ways that you can use your voice, build your thought leadership and still make impact and get your point across without having to be on all the time, you know? So, um, that's, that's my perspective when it comes to visibility. I'm so glad you you kind of gave that because I think sometimes it can be easy to tell yourself it has to be done one way. And so giving, you know, options and, you know, the fact that these touch points are almost kind of meeting your audience where they are, because what I think sometimes can happen as well is it can be assumed, oh, I need to be in these big rooms or I have to talk to, you know, the uh, I don't know, the, uh, the CEOs. And it's like, mm-hmm. you just need to be visible by the person that is making the decisions or has influence in the space where the decisions are made. And that's not exactly. always the CEO. That's not always the person that you think has the most visibility because I've definitely had times where um, opportunities have shown up because somebody that was a part of leadership, but maybe not in the traditional uh, sense was like, Hmm, This is actually who I think we need to be in conversation with. And so Mm -hmm. I think that it is so important to remember that every time that you are a part of a conversation or you make a comment on something or you simply are sharing your opinions, your take, the thing that is yours inherently, whenever and wherever possible, you never know who's paying attention. That's it. You really don't. That part. All right. Mm-hmm. I'm going to ask one last question before I ask the actual last question. And it's <laughs> so it's, it's a little bit of, of, of a disruptive question, only because so often things are thrown around and I want to make sure that we're being explicit. And thought mm-hmm. leadership is something that I think um, people use it a lot and sometimes it gets diluted. And it's not always used in its uh, authentic form as maybe what's being meant with it. And so when we're mm-hmm. talking about um, thought leadership in this context, for me, it's really about, you know, what is it that is yours? What are your thoughts? Mm-hmm. What are your feelings? What are your opinions? You know, how is your processing adding um, value to the conversation? And so I would love for you to be able to, being in this industry, kind of acknowledge what your take is on thought leadership and if you have any 
disagreements around thought leadership, please share that mm-hmm. too, because I think it's important sometimes to give the 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 real, the good, the bad, and the like not so great. Yes. So thought leadership from what I think, um, maybe it would be helpful to think about like what thought leadership isn't. Like mm-hmm. I would say this is my perspective. Thought leadership is not using your voice in a way to to be harmful. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not using your thoughts in a way to try to the excuse me intentional thought leadership, like equitable thought leadership, is not mm-hmm. using your um, message to try to manipulate or to try to be harmful towards any individual. What mm-hmm. I would say thought leadership is, um, is using your intellectual property, your message, the, the story that you have, the things that you have to say and to put out there into, world, into the world, and doing it in an intentional way that gets people thinking differently and gets them really considering how can they make a positive change within their environment, their sphere of influence, wherever they are in the world, using your message, your thoughts, and your voice to shift their perspective on how they can leave the world a better place than how it may have been like five minutes ago. Mm-hmm. And so when when we use the term thought leadership, because oftentimes I'll uh, address my people that I I work with as thought-leading entrepreneurs. And um, I find that uh, using the term like thought-leading entrepreneur is helpful because when I, in my mind, when I think about thought leadership, I also do think about speaking, but not a lot of people really think about themselves as speakers. They definitely think of themselves as like a thought leading entrepreneur, like someone who has a voice, someone who has something to say or a message to share, uh, but they may not always consider themselves a speaker. And so really, I think the two are very much connected. I don't truly believe that if you are... um, I don't think that speaking really can be put into a box, especially because there are people who are making a lot of really magnificent changes in the world, even without, you know, maybe using their voice audibly. Um, But Mm -hmm. if I could summarize like what thought leadership is, it would be really just being intentional to share your message in in a way that's going to make an impact, shift beliefs, and leave a positive change in the world. There it is. I like it. I like it. I like the fact that you brought up the kind of manipulation piece, because I do think that when not used responsibly or used for negative intent, that can definitely come up. So having that awareness of where it can go wrong can definitely be helpful to making sure that you are using it in a collectively beneficial way. So completely Mm -hmm. agree with that. All right. So before we go, I like when we get to the end to be able to find out from you, if you were to have one action that you would like everyone that's taken in this conversation to go and do based on the conversation we had, what would that one action be? I would say, and this might sound really simple and very basic, but 
Unless you have vision of where you want to go, it makes it very difficult to make a plan to get there. And so what I would say the first step for anyone who is listening is to take a moment and be very open and honest with yourself and really consider what would being a speaker and what would building thought leadership look like for you? Is it something that you even want to do? Is it something that you already are doing and maybe you want to see it expand to reach people in a different way? Like, what would that look like for you? And, you know, what? how would you like to see it blossom and, and grow forward from there? If it's not something that's a, you know, a huge thing that you can see yourself moving forward with, then in that case, like definitely look in a different direction. But whatever it looks like for you, if it is, then start there first and then work your way backwards to see what next steps you would need to do. Like what conversations do you need to have? Who do you need to reach out to? What podcasts could you speak on? Um, How do you need to update your social media uh, visibility in order to make it very clear to people that you are available to speak? Because at that point, if it is something that you do want to do, you have to let the world know that you're available for it, you know? So uh, at that point, it would really just be a matter of getting clear on how you can start having conversations with people and letting them know that you are available to speak and to share your message with their audience. Love that. And I agree completely. If you don't know where you want to go, then you might end up creating something that will get you where you didn't want to go. So exactly. (laughs) Agreed. Agreed. So I want you to make sure that you let everybody know where they can learn about what you do and how you do it and just more about you as a human. So tell the people where to find you, Danielle. Yes. So uh, LinkedIn is my playground. So you can find me on LinkedIn at uh, Danielle P. Tucker with two R's at the end. Um, Also, if you are a thought leading entrepreneur or speaker who is interested to take your personal brand visibility to the next level, uh, you can reach me at expansivethoughtleadership.com or professionalspeakerwebsites.com. And also a free resource for anyone who is like, okay, like what in the world are the first steps that I can take to actually start building my visibility as a speaker? I have a 25 speaking essentials checklist that I'd love to share with everyone. You can find that at bit.ly backslash speaking dash essentials dash checklist. And I'm sure you'll be able to include that in the show notes. But um, yeah, it's a 25 speaking essentials checklist of everything that you should do in order to get booked and highly paid to speak. Absolutely. Yes. All of this will be inside of the article so that you can obviously follow along if you like to be able to have your audio content in written content format as well. You'll be able to have all the links to learn more about follow and be in conversation with Danielle and for being here, for sharing all of your amazing insight and just being amazing because I dig you. Just saying. Thank you for being here. (laughs) I dig you too, Erica. (laughs) I love the fact that this conversation did bring up the fact that the speaking industry is meant to be 
about your voice, but it is also very visual. And the part that I love about that is because everything that India does here at Pause on the Play really is addressing the visual pieces of it and what it is about your visibility that, you know, you want to own and be a part of and how it is that you can amplify it in a way that feels good for you as you flaunt your fire and you do your thing. And so being able to just acknowledge how, you know, as you know, Daniel's bio mentioned that broadcasting of your brilliance, you know, being able to really just address how that visual piece and being visible is such a piece of that. Like it goes right into what we talk about here so often and knowing that we are just kind of circling back and reiterating these same things. This helps us all to really just get it in there and to know what it is that we need to do and to make sure that, you know, there's a certain amount of consistency in knowing that we have to be clear. We have to know these values. We have to be visible. This is a part of us owning our excellence and amplifying our influence. So this was just great. And I'm always grateful, you know, for you being here and taking this in. So as always, thank you for being here as we have these real conversations, normalizing the challenging things and making them part of your everyday exchanges. Thank you. Together, this is how we can all support removing stigma and creating real change and connection, crossing lines and recreating boundaries in order to support, not separate. Together, let's continue getting more people to drop the veil while challenging their thoughts, feelings, actions, and state of being. So until the next time, keep the dialogue going. Bye. Ready to get clear on what matters? Let's do this. From implicit to explicit is a framework that helps you to get clear on what matters and how it informs the way you live and lead in your workplace. Whether it's focusing on the team building and connection that can happen when you talk about what matters to you as a person or how it informs the outcomes that you seek in your business, it can all completely change the game. Having clarity on what your values are and how this shapes the way your work creates the foundation for every action that you take, and then sharing this information across your team explicitly. This is what creates confidence and integrity in what it is that you are creating and sharing with the world. Visit pauseontheplay.com forward slash explicit to learn more about this collaborative and interactive workshop and sign up today. Ready to lead through your values?